political bullshit. I will build a great, great wall on our southern border, and I will have Mexico pay for that wall. I'm worried about the fact that our workers are seeing a decline in their standard of living. We will make America great again. Healthcare is a human right, not a privilege. This is the Last Resort Podcast, your last resort for real political commentary. Welcome to episode 11 of the Last Resort Podcast. I'm Stephen Slama. Today I'll be giving you an update on the political climate. It's really going to be more of a Joe Biden special today. I'll be giving you guys my opinion on Bernie and Obama's recent endorsements of him from this last week. I'll dig into their endorsement speeches what was right, what was wrong, and what it means for the future of Biden's campaign. And I have an update on the Tara Reid and the insider trading stories, but those will be coming in uh, episode 12. So, um, First off, I know I'm a couple days late. I mentioned I'd have an episode out on Sunday, and it's now Tuesday. So I'm hoping too many of you aren't losing sleep due to the late release of my episodes. But I've been trying to... Uh, take on an additional form of media and video record these too. So hopefully with that, I can release some smaller, more digestible bits on YouTube that more people will listen to. So it's taken me a lot longer than I thought it would, at least while I'm getting the hang of it. So I'll try and release an episode every few days, but it might be, um, you know, once a week or I don't want to get too optimistic about a schedule like I usually do. So anyway, uh, before I get to the political update, I just want to give a quick word on the COVID-19 regulations. So I try and keep the coronavirus stuff separate from the political update episodes because otherwise it would just dominate every episode if I included that. So um, I just want to talk briefly on the complacency with the regulations that we're seeing. So I had a feeling when these regulations were first put in place, not just the social distancing, but the lockdowns and then expanding to people wearing gloves and masks, that right off the bat, everybody would be all gung-ho about it in the beginning, taking it seriously, staying home as much as they could, keeping their distance, not just in public, but avoiding friends and family to a degree, not shaking hands and hugging as much as usual, and a lot of people wearing masks every time they go out in public. And a lot of people would do most, or sometimes all these things, when we first started, and you do them well when the situation is new and fresh, because People feel good about doing their part, not just for themselves, but for others. But after a while, just like everything else, things start to drag on, it becomes exhausting. And because the with this, the only active thing you're doing is a method of prevention, there isn't really anything that comes out of it to show you any sort of progress. The best case scenario, we all radically change our behavior and nothing happens. That's what we're aiming for. So after a while, after it's dragged on long enough, you start to feel like maybe you're doing it for nothing. Maybe there's no point. You start questioning like, well, I see other people not doing anything at all and they're fine. And that's when people start becoming complacent. And then they slowly start going out more than they need to, saying screw it and going to visit family and friends more often like they would before a pandemic. You stop keeping a safe distance in public. You go back to shaking hands and hugging and... I mean, just because you're getting tired of it, it doesn't mean that it's okay to start giving up. It's not, we are never doing this for fun. It's going to take some effort. And so we have to make an effort. It's evident that now, like this last week, we've quickly approached this period of complacency. And I'm not talking about the protests at all. That's an entire new level of absurdity that shouldn't be happening. And I'll talk about that in detail in the actual COVID-19 episode. But what I'm talking about is what I've heard from a lot of people that they're this last week, that they're quickly just changing their perspective, or they've come to a realization this last week. But these are people just giving up and justifying it by saying, well, we can't do this forever. This is their new realization. We can't do it forever. We need to open back up eventually. And some of them are saying the absolute worst thing. Well, I've decided if I get it, I get it. Well, with that, first of all, it's not about you. 
don't flatter yourself. Nobody, I mean, no offense, but nobody cares if you get sick. The whole point of this is to prevent and to aid in the prevention of the mass spreading of this to thousands and millions of people and then worldwide facing billions of people. It's not about whether or not you personally get sick. It's that your decisions affect much more than just yourself. There are a lot of people out there who have to go out every day because they're essential workers, whether they like it or not. Even if they want to stay out of public, stay safe, they don't have the option. So for you to suddenly decide you don't care and you're just going to act like everything's normal, you're going to go back to shaking hands, hugging, not keeping a safe distance, or taking any steps whatsoever to prevent catching or spreading it is basically a slap in the face to all the essential workers that you're now putting at risk. Your decision to not put forth any effort isn't your decision, it's everybody's decision. Because no matter how safe everybody wants to be, if they come into contact with your dumb ass, they can get infected. And I don't mean any of you listening specifically. I imagine that most of you aren't behaving this way. Unless you are, then yes, I do mean you. But even the people that I'm talking to, I think I think they know I think they know this too. I don't think that they're having any change in perspective at all. I think that everybody's getting tired of it. These people are getting tired of it. They're getting lazy. They want things to go back to normal. So they're just finding any excuse they can to slowly stop doing this. And, and they're just going to keep doing that until they entirely just give up. They're saying it's a change in perspective. It's not a change in perspective. It's selfishness veiled as realization. So that's my brief update. I just, just asking everybody, continue to put forth at least some level of effort. We're reaching a period where people are becoming complacent and they're just going to slowly quit putting the effort in, put in some effort. It's not meant to be easy. It's meant to be effective. And it's only effective if we all put in some effort. So don't be complacent. Maybe you're not wearing a mask and gloves every time you go out, but at least try and limit your trips. Try and limit your contact. Keep your distance in public. Try not to become too complacent and try and be mindful of others. Okay, that being said, Let's get started on the actual episode. So this is going to be a majority focused on Joe Biden, the majority of this episode. Um, I'm going to talk about Bernie's endorsement um, and then Bernie lashing out to his supporters who don't really uh, agree with his endorsement. And then I'm going to talk about Barack Obama's endorsement. And I think that's it for this episode. Um and then we'll get into the uh, Tara Reid stories. And then I have a lot on just the uh, Trump first Biden situation. But that's going to come in the next episode, too. So, All right, so Bernie Sanders endorsed Joe Biden last week. The initial endorsement came in a video that was mainly a back and forth between Joe and Bernie, but it was kind of a one-way discussion. And I break down the endorsement into two main parts. First part is we need to beat Donald Trump. That's where the focus was. Second part is let's work together on policy. That's reaching out to Bernie's supporters because that's the whole, that's the important part of this. That's the whole reason for the endorsement. So that first part, we need to beat Donald Trump. This is the part that I have a problem with, mainly because it's the literal ammo that they use to box Bernie out of the race. And while, yes, it's important to beat Trump, and I agree on that, this entire issue of just focusing on beating Trump has turned this entire race into one where policies and ideas don't matter to people anymore. It doesn't matter what the nominees' ideas are, what their policies are, their agendas, what they stand for. All that mattered was, let's beat Donald Trump. And that's not what an election should be about. Um, all right, to make sure I'm recording, because I already recorded almost the entire episode this morning and actually wasn't recording, so... Um, anyway, so here's what Bernie had to say about uh, let's beat Donald Trump, that whole portion in the speech. Um, he said, so today I'm asking all Americans, I'm asking every Democrat, I'm asking every independent, I'm asking a lot of Republicans to come together in this campaign to support your candidacy, which I endorse, Biden's, to make certain that we defeat somebody that I believe, and I'm speaking for myself right now, without Bernie, I'm not speaking for my, I'll just reword that so it's not confusing. To make certain that we defeat somebody that I believe is the most dangerous present president in the modern history of this country. 
Then he goes on to say Trump had downplayed the pandemic, ignored advice, the advice as people were giving him, uh, not used the Defense Production Act, which uh, resulted in a shortage of masks, gowns, gloves, and ventilators, threatened to fire Dr. Fauci, and was racist, sexist, homophobic, uh, xenophobe, and a religious bigot. So threatening to fire Dr. Fauci, that was like a quick little bit in the uh, in the news because of, a, I think it was a retweet or it was a tweet that Trump had liked with the hashtag fired Fauci or fire Dr. Fauci. Um, but then as soon as he came out and cleared it up and said, no, I'm not actually considering that we're on good terms. There's no risk of me firing Dr. Fauci. That went away pretty quickly. Uh, it was concerning, though, that he would retweet or like a tweet that calls to fire Dr. Fauci. I mean, yeah, there's cause for concern there. But luckily he didn't. Anyway, then he says, we got to make Trump a one-term president and we need you in the White House. I will do all that I can to see that that happens. So there's a lot that I agree with. And that's it's why we're in such a tough spot. Of course, I want to get Trump out of office. And that seems to be so many people's main focus. But that's actually like, that's what really upsets me. People's main focus is to get Trump out of office. That's where the enthusiasm is right now. And, because, and with that being said, we missed out on one of the greatest opportunities made available, basically handed to us. Donald Trump, from 2016 to now, after winning the election, he awoke a large portion of the Democratic Party. There are a lot of people that simply are not excited or enthusiastic about Joe Biden, about another centric candidate running for presidency. They made their presence or their lack of presence clear in 2016 when they didn't vote for Hillary. They had no enthusiasm for and they weren't excited about being Trump because they didn't take it seriously. But Donald Trump, after winning and in his four years of or th three years of running the country, he's awoken this large group of people and they're, they have such a strong committed hatred for Don that people cannot vote fast enough to get him out of office. And that's the only reason Biden might win the election this November. And this is why we've messed up letting Biden be the nominee. We royally messed up. Because it would have been a shoe-in if we had selected Bernie as the nominee. We, we passed a possibly once-in-a-lifetime opportunity to get an actual decent man in the White House. Somebody that isn't bought, isn't influenced by large corporations or mainstream media. Somebody who's dedicated to leading a real movement centered around real change that would benefit real people. And Bernie had a large very large enthusiastic base of supporters and you pair that with the large portion of voters that Trump had awoken that are excited to vote him out of office and it would have been a near guarantee that we could have gotten Bernie in the White House okay I'm all paranoid that my stuff isn't recording now okay so what was I saying it would have Okay, yeah, especially if you had uh if you have everybody pushing blue no matter who, just like they are with Biden right now, you know, put Bernie in that situation. You have all these people excited about voting against Trump, you have all these people excited about voting for Bernie, and then all the people who were, you know, for another Democratic candidate or Joe Biden, you just start blue no matter whoing those people. It's gonna be much easier for those people to switch over and vote for Bernie Sanders, especially in the face of Don another Donald Trump re-election, than it is for Bernie supporters to switch over and uh, vote for Biden, somebody who literally doesn't believe in anything that we actually believe in. Somebody who is voting for Bernie, somebody who supports Bernie because, you know, they hear the idea of Medicare for all and they think, yeah, that's that's what I stand for too. That's what we need. And then the Democratic candidate says, even if Congress passed Democrat or Medicare for all, all 535 members that somehow passed got on your desk, would you just sign it? And he says, no, he would veto that. So somebody who literally stands in the face of what you believe in, it's a lot harder to blue no matter who those people. And rightfully so. I mean, the, the Democratic Party has gotten so far, it has nudged little by little to the right so far that the Democratic Party is no longer left. It's centrist and the Republic or even right sometimes. And the Republican Party is far right. 
But because the anybody but Bernie Democratic establishment pushed Biden as their nominee, we're poss- very possibly facing another four years of Trump. And I get that Trump is obviously the worst option between Trump and Biden, but I still don't think that simply falling in line is the right thing to do. I don't think it's the right thing to do ever. Complying, I, th- I think I've talked about this before, complying seems like the reasonable thing to do, especially now to the majority of Democratic voters. It's loud and clear that they think that, and they're not quiet about it at all. If you support Bernie and you say you most likely aren't going to vote for Biden, or you just show a, a lick of hesitation about voting for Biden, not that you're going to vote for Trump, but you're considering voting third party or not for Biden at all, then they'll shame you, they'll gaslight you, they'll guilt you. Complying is always going to seem more reasonable. But the, the lesser of two evils mentality is so flawed that it's responsible for the two evils in the first place. When you hear that, when people are saying the lesser of two evils, you shouldn't be focusing on the lesser. You should be hyper-focusing on the two evils. That's what the system created. Every monopoly is going to end in corruption or came to power in corruption. You give all the power to two private organizations, and what do you expect? What is going to keep them honest? Why would they be honest? What leverage do you have to keep them honest? We don't have any. They're not going to go anywhere because people keep voting for one or the other. As long as we act like there's no other option, there's going to be no other option. So we need to do everything we can to break out of this if that's what's going to keep on happening. Just look at 2016, four years ago. We had a corrupt, neoliberal corporatist versus psychopathic, narcissistic reality TV star. And when the psycho-narcissistic TV star wins, you think it can't get any worse than four years later... You have almost the exact same thing. You have a corrupt neoliberal corporatist, except this one comes with dementia. And now the psychopathic narcissistic TV star has proven that, yes, he doesn't know what the hell he's doing in the White House in a very dangerous way. And if you don't vote for one of these two, then you're the problem. Yeah, that's rich. That's why we're here. That's why we're where we are right now. Some of you out there are saying, but I voted for the lesser of two evils. So this can't be my fault. I voted for the lesser. Well, you ignored the part about there being two evils. If they're both evil to you, then why the hell are you voting for one of them? What it comes down to is you shouldn't want to support a candidate that you don't believe in. Unless you want results you don't believe in. And even more importantly, stop supporting the party that is pushing that candidate forward. You're supporting the progress of a movement you don't believe in. And if you ask me, allowing two corrupt parties to run our government decade after decade is much worse than another four years of Trump. The election is still seven months away. I'm not going to be shamed if I don't vote in this one, just like I didn't vote in the last one. If you want to say it's my fault, then go ahead. But I'm not going to support an agenda that I don't stand for in the slightest. I'd rather fight for real change. And if everyone else that truly wanted the change did the same thing instead of settling for the lesser of two evils every time, we might actually have another option to choose from. Then we wouldn't have to vote for the lesser of two evils. We could vote in a decent person for once. And that's the opportunity we missed. We, we had the opportunity to vote in a decent person this time, and we lost it. We threw it away. Okay, so, um, yeah, so the first part of the speech was how we have to beat Donald Trump. Most of us agree on that. It's just that to some of us, it's top priority. Over everything else, to some of us, it isn't. Um, All right, the second part of his endorsement, at least the way I viewed it, is how they need, how they are going going to work together. This is basically the olive branch being extended to Bernie's supporters to make the switch to Biden seem like a logical decision instead of one where they're just falling in line. Here's what Bernie had to say um, in this part of the speech. I know there's an enormous responsibility on your shoulders right now, And it's imperative that all of us work together and to do what has to be done, not only in this moment, but beyond this moment. I'm very pleased that your staff and my staff have been working together over the last several weeks to coming up with a number of task forces that will look at some of the uh, most important issues facing this country, to create an economy that works for all, not just a few, how we create the best educational system in the world for all of our people, how we deal with climate change, how we deal with criminal justice, how we deal with immigration reform, how we can have a healthcare system that is so much better than what we have now, 
it's no great secret out there that you and I have our differences, but I hope these task forces will come together to work out real solutions to these very important problems. We're apart on some issues, but we're awfully close on a whole lot of others. And then Joe Biden's response he says, if I'm the nominee, which it looks like now you just made me, I'm going to need you not just to win, but to govern. Okay. Um, after that, Joe just proceeds to read from his notes the rest of the video like he uh, always does. So this is the part that I think we're giving up too easily. People are so hyper-focused on hating on Trump that they aren't considering this aspect continuing to fight for our beliefs nearly enough. Now, if Joe was really going to work with Bernie, if he was truly willing to meet halfway and push even a few of Bernie's policies, the policies that the American people support in a majority as well, then I would really seriously consider placing a vote for Biden in November. But what motive does Joe have to move further left if Bernie is already jumping in with both feet behind him? Bernie's committed 100% of devotion to Joe Biden. He's given up 100% of his leverage in doing so. So let's dig into that a little bit. So why didn't Bernie try harder to push Joe further to the left before offering his full commitment to him? I think what it comes down to is that Bernie didn't have enough faith in himself. From the beginning, Bernie has always said he would back the Democratic nominee. He said over and over, any one of those Democratic nominees could beat Trump and he would back whoever it was. So that right there cost him any leverage right from the beginning. So why would he do that? He was clearly the best option for being Trump of all the nominees, as I've talked about before. He was favored in every poll. He had a large base of supporters. Um, head to head, he was he had the best chances against Trump. And especially compared to Biden, it's much more questionable as to whether or not Biden can win in a head-to-head -to, -head to Trump. Uh, I think Bernie lacked the confidence that he would gain the nomination. And that's that's what prevented him from taking that aggressive step. The only reason he would state early on that he would back whoever the nominee was to beat Trump was to cover his ass in case he does lose the nomination. If he said, I'm the only one that can beat Donald Trump, Joe Biden is basically like Hillary, and we already tried that four years ago, and it ended up with a Trump election. If you want to beat Trump, I have, I'm the best guy to, uh, to go up for the job. If he said that, and then he lost, then he was worried that they would blame the loss on him if whoever was the nominee lost to Trump, just like they did in 2016 with Hillary. And I think the guilt and the shame that they piled on him when Trump was elected obviously got to him. And now he's taking every step he can to make sure he isn't blamed again, though he undoubtedly will be no matter what. But he just doesn't want all that blame for a Trump election to fall on his shoulders, even though it's not right. It still got to him, I think. And they're going to need a scapegoat, and who, who else is it going to be other than Bernie, no matter what he does? Even though he's fallen in line 100% as soon as he dropped out. They're going to say he dropped out too late. They're, they were already saying in the endorsement speech that, or when he dropped out, they were saying that he didn't do enough to, to support Joe, or say enough good things about Joe. Um, and I talked about that in the last episode, how they're already making preemptive moves to blame Bernie. But on top of that, one of the reasons we love Bernie is for his consistency. If He didn't want to risk saying Biden can't win and then have to switch it up later if Biden becomes the nominee. And he, he wants to end up backing him because he, lacked, because he lacked confidence in himself to clinch the nomination outright. But I think, I think it was... Uh, I believe he truly... I think Bernie is being authentic no matter what he does. I think he truly believes what he's doing is the right decision. I just think that if he had gone all in, if he told the American people straight up that Biden is not the safe option, I'm the safe option, then they may have been able to see through that false mainstream narrative and that added aggressiveness may have led him to actually being the nominee. But what if he had taken the more aggressive route and still lost? That's what he's worried about. Then, you know, they're be potential for blame to be thrown at him. It'd be harder for him to actually end up backing them in the end because he'd have to flip-flop. But I think either way, the aggressive route should have been taken because he could have used it. He could use the position as leverage to push whoever the nominee is further to the left, and he still could have ended up backing them in an honest way. 
if he said, there's no way Biden can beat Trump earlier in the primary, if he said, not only can, or there's no way Biden can beat Trump, not only do I not agree with his policies, but the American people don't agree with his policies and his base of support has a total lack of enthusiasm, and then say Biden does become the nominee, Bernie can still come to Biden and say, I'm willing to throw my full support behind you if you promise to make an honest push to the left, to the progressive uh, policies that I believe in. If you promise to do these few things, if you are elected president. And Biden would agree because he would have to agree. And I'm not saying he'd have to go all out and tell Biden he has to do, you know, like 20 things or do everything he believes in. Just a few realistic policies that are doable within the first few months. And then Bernie can say, you know, I said earlier in the primaries, Biden cannot beat Trump. I said that he lacked the vision for working class America and the enthusiasm. But he showed me he's willing to work with me and adopt some of the policies that we have all fought for my entire campaign. And that through doing that, he's proven that he does have a progressive vision for America, a vision that we need. And then with, uh, with those pushes to the left and then Bernie's endorsement, then I, I, I would bet that well over 90% of Bernie's supporters, the progressive base, would actually bet or fall behind support Biden. But that being said, all of this, Bernie's endorsement, Joe's announcement that he's going to try and be more progressive, it's all about what it's all about is getting us on his side. So even if Bernie has conceded all of his leverage that he had available to him, it means nothing if we still let Joe and the Democratic establishment know that if he isn't going to end up, if he's not going to stand for anything we do realistically, then good luck in November. Right now, there are 80% of Bernie's supporters saying that they'll vote for Joe in the election. But there are 15% saying they're going to go all the way to the other side and vote for Trump. 80% may seem like a good start, but then you pair that with the 15% going all the way in the opposite direction to the other side voting for Trump, which to clear up, I don't advocate that at all. I don't get why in the hell you would vote for Trump. Nothing I say is meant to fall in line with that line of thinking. It's, I don't, if I don't support Biden, I don't, I don't think that I'm not, a lot of people are saying that they're going to vote for Trump because they didn't agree with what the democratic establishment did, but that's not what I'm saying at all. I don't agree with Trump either. So I would not vote, vote third party or vote Biden. And right now, vote Biden is my last option. Um, but anyway, you pair that 15% that are going to go vote for Trump in with that 80% that are actually going to vote for Joe. And it shows that Joe is still going to have to make some big moves if he wants to garner enough support to beat Trump. And Bernie's endorsement alone isn't enough. So we still have that leverage as long as we hold it to him and tell him that he needs to move further to the left, not just lower the age of Medicare by five years, not just partially make public colleges tuition free he's gonna have to do more and that's where the power is held now so what did bernie get so joe said he's gonna need his help to govern so where is he asking him for help so he mentioned uh bernie and biden's campaigns are working together to form task forces to put together policies for six key issues so that's economy education health care criminal justice, climate change, and immigration. Now, I'm curious to see what kind of policy they actually come up with on these six issues working together. Biden has very clear opposing stances to Bernie on many of these, especially two of the most important ones, healthcare and the economy. And I'm not sure how far he's going to be willing to compromise with them. If lowering the age of Medicare from 65 to 60 is any clue as to how the rest of this is going to look, then... Good luck in November, Joe, because that's not even close to being enough. But if they truly put some good policies that aren't severely watered down and just reek as desperate attempts at gaining the trust of the progressive left, but actual honest efforts, then uniting behind Joe seems like a much more realistic uh, scenario. So uh, after Bernie had endorsed Biden, he received a lot of backlash, kind of like what I had already talked about from both both his supporters and progressive left figures for just falling in line and not trying harder to push Joe in his direction before pledging full support. So Bernie had, he lashed out at his supporters as well. 
Here's what he had to say about his supporters that aren't enthusiastic about joining Biden's presidential bid this fall. He said progressives that sit on their hands in the months ahead would simply enable President Trump's reelection. I believe it's irresponsible for anybody to say, well, I disagree with Joe Biden, and therefore I'm not going to be involved. I think you're going to see significant movement on the part of the Biden campaign in a more progressive direction on a whole lot of issues. Do we, then he says, do we be as active as we can in electing Joe Biden and doing everything we can to move Joe and his campaign in a more progressive direction? Or do we choose to sit it out and allow the most dangerous president in modern American history to get reelected? So that last point, I want to start with the last point. Do we be as active as we can in electing Joe Biden and doing everything we can to move Joe and his campaign in a more progressive direction or sit out and reelect Donald Trump? So the problem with that is he bunches electing Joe Biden and moving Biden's campaign in a more progressive direction as one action. And then the opposing action is reelecting Donald Trump. That's not the way I see it. The way I see it, it isn't, do we elect him, then move him in a more progressive direction? It's we move him in a more progressive direction if he wants us to reelect him. The first option just yields all of our leverage. That's the biggest problem that everybody has with Bernie's endorsing of Biden. It's we, we need to use that leverage. We need to make him put him in a position where we want to reelect him instead of blindly reelecting him. Okay, the the statement before that what was that? I think you're going to see significant movement on the part of the Biden campaign into a more progressive direction on a whole lot of issues. Now, that is what I truly hope to see. But there are going to have to be some big, honest moves because Biden's track record is not good. Even if he moves in a more progressive direction before the election, whether or not he actually moves forward with them in the White House is a whole other subject. And I just don't have that much faith. That's why these tiny baby steps are just not enough. Because if they're baby steps before going in, they're going to become stagnant when he's actually in. Um, all right, now Bernie's saying that his supporters are irresponsible and enabling Trump's election, re-election, if they don't fall in line. Ouch, Bernie. That's where it hurts. This is where, as much as I love Bernie, I... Don't agree with him on this. And that being said, again, I truly believe Bernie is doing what he thinks is best. I think he's authentic in his decisions. And that's one of the things we love about him. And I firmly believe that he's authentic in his decisions here as well. Even calling his supporters irresponsible. I just, I just don't agree with him. Yes, Biden would be a better president than Trump. But I refuse to fall into the two-party trap and only vote Democrat every single election. That allows them to only give us what they want. That's a method of destroying democracy because we can no longer vote in a person we truly stand behind if these two corrupt private organizations continue to just propel whoever they choose year after year. So if the nominees' values and beliefs don't fall in line with mine, like at all, I'm not going to vote for them and I'm not going to empower a broken system. Now, if that being said, if beating Trump is your number one priority, then I support your right to make that decision and vote for Joe Biden. But you shouldn't be shamed if the fact that our country is basically no longer a democracy because two private organizations have a monopoly on the government is more important to you. You shouldn't be called irresponsible because you take issue with the fact that politicians and lawmakers are consistently swayed by large corporate donors and lobbying organizations, which is basically turn the economic and political system of our country to corporatism veiled as a democratic free market. We shouldn't be guilt-tripped if those issues take priority over blue no matter who. Now, a lot of progressive left figures are tearing into Bernie for this. They say he's the one being irresponsible for not trying harder to push Joe further before endorsing him. Basically, I've been everything I've been saying, but saying... We trusted him. We donated money to him, and he let us down. And I agree. I don't think he should. That that he, I think that uh, he didn't try hard enough. But I don't think he should necessarily be shamed for his decision either. Because, so like I said, it all depends on your priorities. And he's always said since the beginning of his campaign 
He was consistent with this. The most important thing is to beat Donald Trump. That was his top priority. It was never a secret. He said it multiple times over and over. And I think it's fair for that to be his top concern, especially since he has been clear about it. I still think he should have acted differently, but I wouldn't go so far as to shame him for his actions, even if he's shaming me for mine. I'm hearing a lot that Bernie's actions here are letting us down, and that's true to a degree, but to a larger degree, I'd say we let Bernie down. His supporters who believed what he stood for, believed that he would be the better leader, but then they dropped their values and voted for Joe, they let him down. Bernie truly earned it, and the establishment convinced too many of his supporters to steal the nomination from him. His own supporters turning their backs on their values let him down. So, yeah, I disagree with Bernie, but I don't say shame on Bernie. I still believe that he's doing what he believes to be the best for all of us every step of the way. Um, okay. So, let me do another quick save here. And we are up. We're good. All right. So, there was a... Another article that was published recently, just a day or two ago, that was giving some more details about the task forces they're developing, um, which is what I'm really interested in hearing what that's going to result in. So uh, here's what I got out of the article. So the official goal with the task force is to present a united platform before the convention. And it's also to influence on who is picked for Joe's cabinet and put together possible executive orders that could be enacted quickly after taking the White House, considering he wins. So it's still very early in the development stages of the task forces, so there aren't any confirmed members, um, and even the sizes of the task force is still being considered. But from the sounds of it, Bernie seems to be pushing to have as much influence as possible over the task forces. Even though it's technically a joint effort, it sounds like Bernie may be trying to take the lead on it as much as he can. Uh, there's an exhaustive list that was released of the people that Bernie's proposed, several policy experts who helped him develop his, camp his policy and his campaign over the year, and many other outside experts that seem to represent his policy well, too, and the, the policies of the uh, progressive agenda. But there isn't much coming from the Biden campaign, at least yet. And both Bernie's campaign manager and a Biden campaign aide have both stated that overall, the Biden team has been very receptive to Bernie's input so far. So I know there's a lot of doubt that could be had with the entire task force idea. And I had a lot of doubt when I first heard the plan, and I still have my doubts. While the premise could be somewhat promising, there's still just a level of trust that needs to be gained that Biden would actually allow these task forces to amount to anything and, amount, and allow that influence to amount to anything should he take the White House. But so far, between the teams of experts that Bernie put together and they do a fair job at representing the progressive agenda. And between that and Biden's positive reception of who he's proposed so far, and the fact that Biden's campaign never really ran on policy, like at any point in his campaign, that's actually a really important point, I think, with uh, pushing him in a progressive direction. Biden ran on, number one, electability, and number two, very vague Obama-era policy. It was as vague as like, let's just go back to a time before Trump. And even that's not popular. It's not what drew supporters to him. Beating Trump is, that's what a lot of his supporters really cared about when they voted for him. And that, in my mind, I think that leaves a lot of room for him to actually adjust his policy. And honestly, some strong policy adjustments in the progressive direction would only increase the biggest thing that he ran on, electability, because it would appeal to a broader spectrum of voters on the left. And then it would also secure all of Bernie's diehards that ever doubted they would vote for Biden, or not all of them, but a large majority of them. Now compare that to Bernie's campaign. He ran almost solely on policy. If he clinched the nomination and then made some strong adjustments to his policy, he would lose a lot of support, because that's what his supporters actually cared about. And that's one of the things that, one of the things that really upsets me about this election. The fact that the person who won the nomination 
people aren't even voting for him based on his policy, on his beliefs. And that's just not right. I mean, Bernie's policy, that's right up front. That's all he talks about. Biden's policy, if you don't go looking for that, you're not going to know what you're even voting for. It just shows how much the establishment and mainstream media messed up the entire primary. So I'm hoping that this means he'll be open to some major adjustments to his policy. But that's all just speculation. So far, his policies just don't reflect anything that I'd, I'd actually hope to see. And then his earlier attempt at compromising by making public colleges tuition-free for families making less than $125,000, and then eliminating debt with the same qualification, and then lowering the age of Medicare from 65 to 60 is just, it's a very small start, but it's not even close to going far enough. They're too small and too few to trust that he would even make the effort to push them through. And thankfully, Bernie expressed the same changes are not adequate. So even though Bernie is, uh, you know, jump falling in line 100%, he is still trying to push him as much as he can. But until I start seeing some real concrete change in policy with an honest backing, there are not going to be any adjustments in my decision. So hopefully Bernie can keep putting the pressure on and hopefully these task forces actually amount to something decent. Um, okay, uh, so speaking of putting the pressure on, he actually did apply some more pressure in a uh, New York Times op-ed last week where he was continuing to push for Medicare for all, despite that being one of the biggest areas of disagreement between Bernie and Biden. Even in Bernie's uh, endorsement speech, you could hear a little snippet of that disagreement when the speech was... Meant to be a symbol of unity, both of them on the screen, taking turns talking, not a time for disagreement, trying to bring everybody together. And then Bernie is listing the things that they agree on, you know, like criminal justice reform, immigration reform, or like things that they agree enough on. And then he gets to uh, health care. He had to carefully word how he even said it, which it just stuck out to me because he's always so clear and concise when he talks about health care. Medicare for all, single-payer health care. Health care is a human right. But in that video, he had to dance around in it, or dance around it. I say it in a way that was just as vague as possible to make it sound like they still agreed on some level, which the thing is they just, they really don't. So what, what did he say? Uh, how we deal with criminal justice, how we deal with immigration reform how we can have a healthcare system that is so much better than what we have now. And then he follows it with, it's no great secret out there that you and I have our differences with like a little smirk. You could even see it in his face. It hurt him a little bit to have to break down the idea of healthcare like that because that's he just doesn't agree with it. But Biden is so against Medicare for all, he couldn't even, couldn't even touch on that. And just having to say, go from Medicare for all to saying just healthcare that's just better than what we have now, the, the most vague thing ever. So unfortunately, Biden's made it clear that he's not going to give any ground on that front, but it isn't stopping Bernie from continu continuing to push it. So in the New York Times op-ed last week, uh, he said, he's talking about how the pandemic is only clarifying the notion that Medicare for all is not just some frivolous endeavor, but it's actually a necessity. And then between this pandemic and the Bernie movement, despite his campaign having sizzled out, Medicare for All is still gaining real traction. There was a recent morning consult poll that shows that support for Medicare for All across the nation had risen 9% in the last month. Support for Medicare for All went from 46% to 55%. So that's important. It got over that majority, that 50% threshold, but 9% in one month just because it's actually affecting everybody. It's one of those things where people don't support it until it affects them. But fortunately, I mean, it's not fortunate that it happened, but fortunately people are starting to see that this is something that's a necessity and something that we need to get done. And the, uh, the points Bernie brings up in the op-ed show exactly why this is. He says the pandemic has exposed the absurdity and the cruelty of our employer-based private health insurance system. Tens of millions of Americans are losing their jobs and thus their incomes and health care as a result. This is why we need a single-payer health care plan. This exposes the absurdity of their rights 
the right's argument that Americans don't want a single-payer plan because they want options. Well, here's the thing. We don't get options. We don't have the privilege of getting to pick and choose what health insurance company we want. Health insurance prices are so absurdly high that we simply have to go with the plan provided by our employer. If we had options, then these people who lost insurance through their employer wouldn't no longer have health insurance. They'd be able to afford another option. But without being able to afford other options, we don't have options. We can't afford to window shop for the plan that we want. We're not shopping for a car. We're not looking for a red one or a blue one. We're forced to go with the cheapest option that's still adequate if we're lucky. Otherwise, it's just the cheapest option outright. It might not be adequate. It might be a terrible healthcare plan that you're just paying for just to have it. And then if you switch jobs or you lose your job, you lose your insurance. So, like, yeah, I say, when I say we don't get options and we don't have the privilege to pick what type of health insurance we want, I'm not saying it literally. Like, I'm saying it as a generality of the reality of that a large majority of Americans aren't able to afford an option. So, I mean, yes, if you have money, then you can window shop the plan that's right for you. So, yes, we do have options. It's just the reality of getting to pick an option isn't real for any of us. So those options are totally irrelevant. The only option afford you can afford is the one provided by your employer. Then why does it matter if it's that or single-payer health care option that ensures that not only will I be covered, but all of my friends, family, and neighbors are covered too, and it'll be cheaper than the cheapest option currently available to me? I mean, right now, if we had Medicare for all, I'd be paying less than half of the price than I do now. And I have a terrible healthcare plan with, with like a $4,000 to $4,000 deductible or something. Yet I'm still paying several hundred dollars a month. So yes, sign me up. Single-payer healthcare. When you hear them say that they're taking away, that's their argument, they're taking away your right to choose your health insurance. Just know that, yeah, technically they're right. Having it their way, you can choose to pay several hundred dollars for the cheap plan or even more for every other plan or not be insured at all. Those are your options. Do you want to go broke for health insurance, super broke, or not have health insurance, and then your life is devastated if you get sick or injured? Or under the evil taking away your right to choose a plan plan, you're automatically insured for a fraction of what you'd be paying for the cheapest plan that they're able to provide, and not being insured isn't even an option for you or anybody else. So if you can afford to window shop, it's because you have the financial privilege of being able to do that that most everybody else doesn't have. And if you use that as a justification to hold back an option that insures everybody because you want to have more options, then you're just a selfish prick. Um, so Bernie says in the op-ed, uh, poor and working class people are suffering higher rates of sickness and are dying at much higher rates than wealthy people. Again, this goes back to options. Why are poor and working class people suffering at or dying at higher rates than wealthy people? Partially because there might be an increased exposure, but largely, and this is true outside of the pandemic as well, because of what we just talked about, options. We currently have options. We all currently have options, but most of us, there are only two realistic options, either the cheapest plan available or no insurance. Even if you have a cheap plan like I do, because I pay a high premium, or it's the lower premium, it's still a high premium, but the lowest premium possible, so my deduction, my deductible is pretty high. So I'm far more or less likely to go to the hospital because of it. So if I get sick, even seriously sick, I'm still more likely to just try and hold it out till I can recover on my own. Because no way in hell am I going to be able to afford to pay thousands of dollars for a doctor's visit, which I would have to pay that to get past my deductible to even get the insurance to start kicking in. And most people are in the same boat. Now, if you're rich, you have no worries. You have a fine plan. You have a good plan. You have a spare change for the deductible. You can just slip on your penny loafers and walk right into the hospital and demand to see the finest doctor in Sacramento or wherever the hell you are. But again, the single-payer healthcare system would solve this issue for most Americans. We wouldn't have to hesitate because we're poor. We wouldn't have to question our decision because we're poor. If somebody robs your house 
you have the option to call the police without worry whether you're rich or you're poor. The same should go for when you're sick. You should have the option to seek health care without worry, no matter what. Um, okay. So that's it on uh, Bernie's endorsement. Um, I'm going to go into Barack Obama's endorsement. So he endorsed Joe Biden last week. I believe it was after Bernie. Um, yeah, because he was the basically the last major political figure to endorse him, which is strange that it would take a former president so long to endorse his former vice president of eight years. Even during the primary, when it was still a contested race, it was a pretty large concern for some people that Obama didn't come out and endorse him outright. I wouldn't have expected him to, though, especially considering it didn't seem like Joe would be the nominee, especially towards the beginning of the race. Everybody thought, I mean, Joe was in like fourth, fifth place the first two races. Nobody was even thinking about him. He was out. He wasn't campaigning. He wasn't spending money. He wasn't be able to fundraise money because he doesn't have any support. It wasn't until the establishment coalesced behind him that he actually had a shot. If it ended up with Bernie or somebody else being the nominee, then Obama would still want his endorsement to be as strong as possible to beat Trump. And he doesn't want that to be viewed as a second choice because his original endorsement lost the primary. But then Joe came up with a great little fib that Obama didn't endorse him because he asked him not to, which there's no way in hell you're going to reject the endorsement of the most loved Democratic politician in modern political history at any point of the race, whether it's the primaries or after you're the nominee. I mean, people love Obama. You'd want his endorsement if he was offering it. Just another one of those weird little political lies that we already get so much of with Trump, and now I guess we have to deal with it with the other side of the podium too. Anyway, Obama finally comes out and endorses him. So his endorsement speech, the way I hear it, I broke this down into three separate points. Um, first, one, if he were running, he wouldn't run with the same platform. Second point, Bernie is an American original. Third, we may not agree on the path, but we agree on the solution. So, before I get into it, it's important to note, Obama is an incredibly talented music, uh, <laughs> musician, politician. It's, now, it's not a coincidence that he's one of the most loved, if not the most loved politician in modern politics. He's very convincing. He connects to people very well. But when you break down some of these points, if you really strip them down, there's just a lot I don't agree with. So uh, the first one, if he were running, he wouldn't run with the same platform. So he calls back to the start of his presidency in 2008, saying this will be the second time in 12 years we're going to be faced with rebuilding the economy. He says, if I were running today, I wouldn't run the same race or same platform as I did in 2008. The world is different. There's too much unfinished business for us to look backward. We have to look to the future. Bernie understands that, and Joe understands that. So it's kind of funny to me how he puts so much emphasis on how we can't look back and try and bring things back to the way they were, because that's literally the premise that Joe was running on. He ran on two major things, electability, and let's go back to 2015. Let's bring it back to a time before Trump. And that was because it was an easy route for him because it fell right in line with his position as the default voter or a default vote for the people who just default voted. Democrats that were undecided or generally just didn't know the positions and policies held by the different candidates on the ballot would see Joe Biden and think, yeah, I know that guy. Obama liked him. He was vice president for a while, I think. He seems trustworthy. And then boom, default vote. He didn't have to work for it as far as campaigning goes for the election. And again, Barack is one of the most loved politicians of our time. So it's easy to say, let's go back to Obama days. But it's not a true platform to run on. We can't just look back and bring things back to the way they were because they weren't even that great back then. The Obama-Biden administration had the White House for eight years. And yes, they made progress restoring the economy from the 2008 Great Recession when there was basically nowhere to go but up at that point. But little was done to directly help the working class. There was no raise in minimum wage, no closing in the wealth gap, questionable progress as far as health care goes if you consider Obamacare progress. The wars continued. They started more heavily implementing drone strikes. 
that's when they started putting kids in cages, which everybody brings up as an argument of why you should blindly vote for Biden for no other reason than to kick Trump out of office. They say, look at the kids in cages, bro. You're going to look them in the, the eye and say, sorry, but I was too selfish to vote for Biden. It's like, well, kids in cages started during the Obama-Biden administration. And not only that, but the most popular anti-Trump picture of kids in cages that circulates was actually, people don't know, this was actually a picture taken from the Obama-Biden era. And that's like literally one of the biggest arguments is look at kids in cages. You're going to, you're not going to vote for Biden. Look at them. It's like Biden's one of the guys that started that. So needless to say that while yes, overall we do better under Obama era leadership than Trump leadership. Is that really what we want to strive for? No, it's not. We want to take it much further. And even Obama is saying that in his endorsement speech that the American people don't want to look at the past, they want to look ahead to the future, that the past left us with too much business, unfinished business. That's the problem with Joe running on nostalgia the way he is. We want true progress, and I don't see him as a leader for the progress that we want to see. Um, so the second point is someone's talking about Bernie. It says Bernie, I just called it Bernie's an American original. So the second point he brings up is essentially the ass-kissing section of the speech where they try and appeal to Bernie supporters by saying, see, we love Bernie too. So here's what Barack said regarding this point. That Bernie's uh, talented and decent with a track record of accomplishment, smart ideas, and serious visions for the future. An American original. Um, though we haven't agreed on everything, we have a shared conviction that we have to make America a fair, more just, more equitable society. He's created a true movement Nothing is more powerful than millions of voices calling for change. Energy the energy enthu and enthusiasm he's inspired, especially in young people, is going to be critical for Joe to win. All right. Now, why do I call this ass-kissing instead of just honest, kind words for Bernie? Because you can't forget that we watched the Democratic establishment the entire primary, show nothing but loathing for Bernie Sanders and his movement the entire time. They took every step possible they could to push him out of the race, between strategizing behind the scenes to get Pete and Amy to drop out before Super Tuesday in a desperate attempt to elevate anybody above Bernie, who was the clear frontrunner at the time, but that was coincidentally right before Blue No Matter Who season started. And then the DNC superdelegates said, even if Bernie won the plurality of votes, they would likely defy the will of the people and pick another candidate just because they have the option to. Going back to 2016, they'd not only blamed Hillary's loss on him, but they've already started taking steps to blame Joe's potential loss on him and using that as pressure to get him to drop out. And as I mentioned earlier, that treatment may have caused Bernie to fold and fall in line as quick as he did because the guilt piled on him by blaming Trump's presidency on him was just too much to risk happening a second time. And then possibly the worst of all, the electability lie. Spreading word that Bernie could never beat Trump and Biden's the only one who can, like wildfire, to further push Bernie out of the race, despite that not being true at all. Bernie had the best chance against Trump by far in almost every single poll prior to the establishment coalescing behind Biden, which shows that it was more important to the DNC that Bernie loses than Trump loses. If they were truly concerned only about beating Donald Trump, they would have gone with Bernie in a heartbeat. Why, before Super Tuesday, would you say that Bernie, who won three out of four states, including a landslide victory in the most diverse of the four states, Nevada, who has the largest base of supporters, whose campaign has the most energy and enthusiasm, who's pushing the policies that a majority of Americans believe in, who's leading almost every poll, not only for the upcoming elections on Super Tuesday against his, the other Democratic nominees and beyond, but for the general election versus Trump. But yet you say he can't beat Trump in a head-to-head. -head. But then here's this other guy who's won one state, but he lost the other three quite pathetically in some of them. He was fourth in Iowa, fifth in New Hampshire. And in New Hampshire, he didn't even meet the 15% threshold. Not even that, but he barely got half. He got like 8% of the vote in New Hampshire. And then he's second in Nevada. 
And he's behind Bernie in almost every single poll for the upcoming elections and the Democratic primary and the general election versus Trump in a head-to-head. But he wins one state, one state, South Carolina, and then the establishment and mainstream media goes crazy. Headlines are basically, Bernie lost South Carolina. How can he beat Trump if he loses South Carolina? This is a disaster. We're making the wrong decision. We need to vote for somebody that actually has a shot like Joe. Joe was never the more electable one. The DNC was never concerned about beating Trump. They were concerned about beating Bernie. It was more important to the DNC that Bernie loses than Trump loses. And now they got what they wanted. Joe Biden, great prize, DNC. They're trying to flip this around and hope that we just forget all of that went down because they need us. And that's why Obama is such a great politician, because he can successfully do that better than everyone else. But this is, this is what, just call it what it is. It's ass-kissing 101. Um, all right. Uh, third part, we may not agree on the path, but we agree on the solution. So here's what he says about that. Joe has the most progressive platform of any major party nominee in history. Even before the pandemic, it was clear we needed real structural change. Uh, working class is underpaid, financially stressed, given too little support. We need to do more than tinker around the edges. We have to go further. We have to protect the gains made with the Affordable Care Act, but go further, provide everyone with a public option, expand Medicare so healthcare isn't just a right, but a reality for everybody. We may not agree on every detail of the best way to bring about each and every one of these changes, but we do agree that they're needed, and that only happens if we win this election. So basically what he's trying to get across here is, look, like, hey, look at us. We're basically like Bernie. We all agree on what needs to be done. We just disagree on how it needs to be, how it's going to get done. But again, that's not true at all. Biden's neoliberal corporatist approach does not lead to the same conclusions at all. I've said it before, but a great example of how dissident he is compared to Bernie's policies is when asked that even if Medicare for all passed the Senate and the House, all the legwork was done the impossible task of getting it through Congress was done. Would you veto it? And he said he would. And I know that's just one example, and I'd be a hypocrite if I use that, if I was a one-issue voter, and I use that as my sole purpose not to vote for him. But I just bring that up because it's the best example where he outright tells us, I don't support your causes. And so you can't pretend that he does. Even Obama says he, we have to go further than the Affordable Care Act, expand health care so that it's a right for everyone. Now, does he mean Medicare for all by that? No, he doesn't. Giving everyone a public option would be similar to the halfway compromised version of health care we got with Obamacare, which is what Biden wants to do as well. And that ended up as quite a mess. It didn't get very high approval from Americans at all. A lot of people were unhappy with it. And overall, it just didn't work out in a way where there were enough people seeing the relief that they needed. But then you look past that, the last minimum wage increase was during the Bush administration. That means Barack Obama and Joe Biden had eight years, and not once did they raise the minimum wage from the poverty wage of seven twenty-five. It's still at today. That's why even if Joe says he's going to adopt more of Bernie's progressive views, I just have a hard time trusting that he would ever actually follow through with them. If you look at his history, the decades he spent in Congress, it's much worse. Almost nothing points in the direction that we want to go in. Okay. Um, well, that's all I have for Obama's endorsement, and that's all I'm going to have for today's episode. So stay tuned for episode 12, where I'll be talking about Biden versus Trump in the head-to-head coming up, as well as an update on Tara Reid and the insider trading stories. So keep an eye out for that. And as always, thank you for listening to The Last Resort Podcast, your last resort for real political commentary. to give some leadership to this country. We will make America great again. The American dream. You can't make it on nine bucks an hour or 11 bucks an hour or 12 bucks an hour. Three, two, one. 
Trump didn't do well in the debate. They're fake news. I know it hurts your feelings. I know you're upset about it. I know you're hoping and praying that we'll have another war. We're going to build the wall. No more B2 bombers. No more Star Wars. Let's make the quality products we need. We 